My brethren, the Holy Scriptures hide very great mysteries underneath very simple words. And we can see it in the Gospel for today. We read, Simile factu nesterenium celorum, omini regi, qui fecit nuptias, filio suo. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared the marriage of his son. Under these simple words, the scriptures intended to speak about a great mystery, which is the mystery of the incarnation of the Son of God. The King is God the Father, who from all eternity decreed the incarnation of His Son. And this incarnation of the Son of God can truly be called a marriage, because in this mystery, the divine nature espoused the human nature. The incarnation was truly a marriage, indissoluble marriage between God and our humanity. So the King, who is God the Father, prepared the marriage of His Son. It means He prepared the incarnation of His Son, that He might become a man in order to save us. The union of the divinity and the humanity in Jesus Christ is unique. In theology, we call it hypostatical union, because in the unique person of the Son of God, we have the union of the divine nature with the human nature. There is only one person, but two natures. Our Lord Jesus Christ is at the same time, through God and through man. Venite ad nuptias, come to the wedding. In the gospel, we can see the insistence of the king in inviting guests for the marriage of his son. And it shows the desire of God to have all men participate in the mystery of the Incarnation. First of all, we see in the Gospel, he invited the Jews. They refused the invitation. And then the invitation went to all nations. Even though only one individual nature was chosen to be espoused hypostatically by the Son of God, Yet, the whole nature, the whole human nature, is invited to take part in the wondrous mystery of the Incarnation. In a different way, of course, not as a spouse, but as a guest. Each one of us is called to participate in this union 
between the humanity and the divinity. We are called in our humanity to be united as well with God. And the union of our humanity with God is accomplished by what we call grace, sanctifying grace. It is through grace that we can be united with God. It is through grace that we can participate in our own measure, in the mystery of the Incarnation. And we know that we receive the grace of God through the sacraments of the Church. In this way, my brethren, the Gospel for today acquires a new dimension for us. The Gospel has a sacramental dimension. We read, Dicite invitatis, ece prandium meum paravi. Tell the guests that my meal is ready. My brethren, here the Gospel is talking about the Most Holy Eucharist. The Eucharist is a true sacrifice offered to God, but it is also a sacrament given to us. And in this meal, we partake of the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for our salvation. We eat His flesh and we drink of His blood. And it's not a figure, but a reality. And this is the meal that God has prepared for us. The Holy Mass is the wedding feast of the Son of God. In the sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist, we have vere realiter ac substantialiter, truly, really, and substantially, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, He becomes our food. Truly, we receive in us His humanity. And through His humanity, we come into communion with His divinity. The Father in Him and He in us. We in Him and He is in the Father. This is the beautiful reality of the Most Holy Sacrament, a sacrament of union, communion, a sacrament of love. However, we cannot silence the strong warning that our Lord gives us in the Gospel for today. We read that the king went to see the guests and he saw a man who was not wearing the wedding garment. And the king ordered this man to be cast out 
of the wedding feast. My brethren, here the Holy Gospel makes clear to us that in order to partake of the Blessed Sacrament, in order to receive Holy Communion, one must be garbed with the wedding garment. And this wedding garment is the grace of God. So we must be garbed with the grace of God in order to approach the altar. It means that no one should dare to eat the body of our Lord Jesus Christ without the grace of God. No one should dare to eat the body of our Lord Jesus Christ in state of grave sin. Otherwise, one would be bringing judgment upon himself. And this is the teaching of Christ himself in the gospel for today. And the Apostle St. Paul says the same thing. I quote, Whosoever eats of this holy bread and drink of this chalice unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So let each man examine himself, because the one who receives it unworthily brings judgment to himself. So this is the constant teaching of the church. If someone is aware of having committed a grave sin, he has to repent and go to confession before receiving Holy Communion. Otherwise, it would be a sacrilege. So we must always approach the Holy Table dressed with the wedding garment of the grace of God. But my brethren, to be in state of grace is not the only requirement necessary to receive Holy Communion. We have to have our souls clean from gra grave sin, yes, but our bodies also need preparation in order to receive the most holy sacrament. And this preparation of the body is called the Eucharistic Fest. Let me call your attention to the fact that from the time of the Apostles, so from the very beginning of the Church, Holy Communion was always received only by those who were fasting from any food and drink in such a way that the Most Holy Eucharist was always, always the very first food of the day. The very first food of the day. That's why for centuries the Eucharistic fast is started at midnight. 
So if one was to receive Holy Communion, he could not eat or drink anything, starting at midnight. And this was the constant practice of the Church, in order to prepare the body by a natural fast before receiving the heavenly bread. And all of that, out of love and respect towards the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. In, 1950s, in the 1950s, Pope Pius XII reduced the Eucharistic fast to three hours, but only when Mass would take place later in the day, meaning after 9 a.m. If the Mass would be celebrated before 9 a.m., the Midnight Fest would still apply. Finally, in the 60s, Pope Paul VI brought the Eucharistic Fest down to one hour before Holy Communion. So the current law is that the one receiving Holy Communion has to abstain from any food and drink besides natural water, for at least one hour before Holy Communion. This is the minimum required. But my brethren, today, today, I would like to encourage you to start observing the traditional Eucharistic fast out of love and respect for the Blessed Sacrament. If the Mass is early in the day, I encourage you to do the Midnight Fest. And if the Mass is at later hours, to observe the fast of at least three hours. You know, many people agree that communion in the hand lacks the proper reverence and respect due to the Blessed Sacrament. And I wish that the same people were able to see that the fast of one hour before Holy Communion also leaves a lot to be desired in regards to the reverence we can show towards such a great sacrament. My brother, you know the current law, so I'm not imposing this on you. But I am encouraging you, challenging you, to do more for the Lord, out of respect for His body and blood. Knowing that the more we do in order to honor Him, the more He will bless us. And after the state of grace and the proper Eucharistic fast, there is still a third requirement to receive Holy Communion. And this requirement is devotion. Devotion means that we prepare before receiving the Blessed Sacrament. 
We have it to prepare our souls by prayer, by being attentive during Mass, and united spiritually to the sacrifice that is accomplished on the altar. We cannot automatically go to Holy Communion without even thinking about what we are doing. We have to prepare ourselves. And as prayer is necessary for the soul, modest dress is necessary for the body. This is also preparation to receive Holy Communion. Modesty. Remember, Holy Communion is our meeting with God. So we should prepare well in body and in soul. Of course, we don't need it to be perfect. Otherwise, no one here would approach the Blessed Sacrament, starting with myself. Nevertheless, we should do some preparation. And after Holy Communion, we cannot forget to make a good thanksgiving. To thank God for all His graces, especially the grace of that Holy Communion that we just received. We should tell God how much we love Him. We should offer ourselves to Him. And also remember those who are dear to us and pray for them. I'm sure you know that our thanksgiving should last for about 10 or 15 minutes. So we should use well the time after Holy Communion. Because, my brethren, these are the most blessed moments of our lives. The most blessed moments of our lives. So let us increase in love and respect towards the most holy sacrament of the Eucharist. So many people in this world never heard and will never know of this beautiful truth of the Eucharistic presence of our Lord among us. Many millions, maybe billions, I'm sure billions, will never be able to taste this heavenly bread. And we, we who are blessed enough to know the truth, we who can receive this most holy sacrament so often, how can we be so cold, so careless, so unprepared when we approach the holy table? My brethren, I think it's time for us to change this. So let us ask the intercession of our Blessed Mother in order to be more fervent, more attentive, more prepared when we approach the Lord in Holy Communion. More fervent, more attentive, more prepared, more grateful. Knowing that the more we do in order to honor Him, 
the more he will bless us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.